Well, all right, boys. Thanks for doing this. It's a pleasure to sit down with the, the gents of Taxman, both Dave Yancey, head brewer, and co-founder uh, Nathan Holselbush. So cheers, boys. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Mm-mm. Well, I uh, love you guys, what you guys do. I mean, I, I love the environment that you guys create at all your different places. I went down to your death and taxes day or now deadline release got some merch so i'm i'm wearing the uh the dead man today so again appreciate you doing this but one of my favorite jump off points anytime i sit down with anybody is kind of get the origin story now obviously you guys have a a very unique one that includes going overseas to belgium i'd love to kind of hear that if you could kind of give us uh yeah yeah sure happy happy to so before starting tax man my my life was in the tax world i was i'm a cpa still i've got I guess my license is technically expired at this point. I haven't, I haven't been doing the C, the continuing education. But so prior to that, I was a, I was CPA, worked in Cincinnati, had the opportunity to move to Belgium for three years, was in Belgium doing U.S. tax uh, at, with Deloitte, had the uh, pleasure of going around all the small breweries in Belgium. We toured a lot of them. Uh, really fell in love with the beers, the unique flavors imparted by the yeast. And just some of the history of the, the Trappist breweries, all of that. Like, it's just a cool story. There's a lot of, a lot of different varieties that are brewed in Belgium. Belgium's small, but, you know, had like 2,000 breweries at the time. Oh, wow. Tons and tons of different styles. You look at some of these, these old styles like Lambeck and Guz and all this stuff. They're really only produced in that part of the world. Um, so after three years in Belgium, had the opportunity to move to uh, Indiana to be a tax director at Cummins. Worked at Cummins for four years. And uh, the reason we kind of ended up in the south side of Indianapolis was I worked in the Columbus office. My wife worked at Cummins at the Indianapolis office. So Greenwood, that Bargersville area, was kind of the halfway point for us. Um, so we got the itch uh, about a year and a half into, into living here. We were, spent a lot of time downtown, a lot of time at Broad Ripple. We are like, man, there's got to be like something on the deep south side of, of Indianapolis. Like, there's got to be a local restaurant, a local brewery. If nothing's going to happen, like, we're, we've, we felt kind of obligated to, to, to make a, to, to kind of pursue that dream of, of starting the brewery. So about a year and a half in, we started writing the business plan. It took about a year and a half to write the business plan. 2013 really started getting the financing pulled together and, and, and all of that. Identified the, the building that we have in Bargersville. It was cheap. Like badly, badly out of shape, weeds in the parking lot, like horrid. Told uh, you know, told told the the people that, that ended up investing, hey, we're gonna we're gonna start a brewery here. We're gonna focus on Belgian beer. And they were like, well, I don't know. That's that's pretty crazy. Like, it's a pretty niche thing. Sure. Uh, but ended up uh, ended up you know getting together the resources and uh, convincing a uh, bank to to lend us some money too, and and took the took the plunge. Gotcha. Now, uh, spending time in Belgium, have you been back since you since you opened up Taxman? No, unfortunately, we haven't had the opportunity. So mo- moved here in 2011, haven't had the opportunity to go back. We had plans to go back last year, and obviously with everything that was going on, sure. we were going to go in July. Uh, just didn't work out. Gotcha. Now, one of the things I love about the Craft Brew universe is the creativity with the names. And you guys have a fantastic logo and a theme kind of around everything you do within Taxman. I think you have... The Ben Franklin quote on the, on the website, you're assured nothing in life except two things, death and taxes. So what goes into kind of deciding on the names and as you guys kind of cook up the things you do each year? Well, initially it was like, what, what tax terms are 
I would say like more mainstay tax terms, yeah. like deduction, exemption, all of these are very much like things that are familiar to people when they're filling out their, their 1040s every year. Sure. Uh, so, so that was easy. Now it's gotten a little bit harder because we're cranking out, you know, 50 different beers a year. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's, you know, how, how do you try to get a, a fun tax pun that also plays mm-hmm. into the style of beer that we're doing or that, that kind of makes sense yeah. uh, for that specific that specific beer. So it's it's very much a, a community effort, I'd say at this point. Like we will we normally release anywhere from like ten to twelve new beers a year. So it's not like we have to rename everything. Sure. Uh, but we kick those around usually in the fall and and go back and forth on some variations and then kind of create the labels. And... Nice. Well, it seems like you guys have had a love of craft beer for a long time. But take me back to the first craft beer that hooked you. Which Whoa. what set you on the path to say, hey, beer is going to be definitely a bigger part of my life moving forward i'll let david kick that one take that one first so you know i mean i think the first like craft beer that someone handed me was a sierra nevada pale ale Mm -hmm. and uh you know up till then it was just you know your regular you know domestic budweiser stuff like or um maybe a shiner bach i'm from texas okay but like uh yeah the sierra nevada pale and i was like whoa what is this what are all, all these flavors and it was you know the hops in that beer, and I, I still like that beer a lot to this day. But, sure, uh, sure. I mean, the, the the scene has definitely exploded. Oh yeah, since, uh, I mean, back since then you had yeah, since Sierra Nevada, maybe Sam Adams, a couple yeah. different blends. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy. I mean, just here in Indiana alone, we got over 160 different breweries. You know, and that's you know one of the things I try to uh, try to when I speak with the the owners is to see where you guys draw inspiration from, right? So obviously the trip from Belgium, but is there any specific one in Belgium that you've kind of built? your inspiration with what you guys are doing to Taxman or maybe someone stateside, Dave? Ooh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I spent a week in Belgium back in 2014, maybe, or 13. I don't remember now, but, uh, you know, like, uh, Cantillon and I had already had some of their beer before I went mm-hmm. there, but that was like one of the breweries I had to go to because I just love their sours. Their goose is like, it's just amazing. So, uh, you know, definitely has super to unique to flat, like just, just <laughs> kind of like, I think unusual for most people. Yeah. When I, when I was there, so I, I was a beer nerd to begin with. I, I did some home brewing, but, but never it, it with any degree of success. I'm a terrible brewer. Like these guys will attest <laughs> to that, but I would, I would go around and, and uh, I had this, this book, it was called the good beer guide to Belgium. And he had like a star system in all of his, uh, for all of his breweries and all the beers. So I would go, Teach of the breweries that had that, that, that Tim Webb was, I think, the author, highly rated. And I'd, I'd taste the beer and I'd say, okay, cool, I like this, I like this about this style. So I think for each of the mainstay styles that we have, like double, triple, quad, uh, there was a definitely like a hierarchy of, of those styles in Belgium from different breweries that, that I, I appreciated. So like in the, in the triple world, like I've always had an affinity for triple caramelate. I think it's just an amazing triple it's 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 light it's refreshing but it's almost got this lemon zest uh so i think that like i took we took inspiration from for the exemption recipe from that and uh, you know with within the quads you've got obviously the, the super famous trappist beers like the Chimay blue and the uh rocheford what is it 10, 10 rocheford 10 so, yeah. west and 12 i get them all uh, so yeah like all of those styles like what what about those profiles do you like is it the excessive amount of special B is it raisin like and, and try to just play off each of those flavor profiles in, in the beers that we do nice 
Nice. Now, now you guys, like I said, you put out a, a tremendous amount of beer a year. You guys are mad scientists. You're constantly looking for different trends to maybe bring out to the masses. And those are exemplified as successes that make it to your taps. But I always love asking this question from guys at Brew is that there has to be something that maybe you tried that just didn't work <laughs> out, that came out dead on arrival, and you're like, nah, we won't try that again. So kind of give me a, give me a story behind something that you thought was going to be great, but ultimately was something that you bailed on. I mean, at Taxman, I don't think that I've ever had any of Knock on wood here. I'm getting nervous. Yeah, that like was just a real big flop. There are some recipes that I wish had come out a little different or my vision for it was different than the way it actually came out, but it was still pretty decent, right? Mm -hmm. But when when I was first home brewing, like I definitely had a lot of recipes that I thought I was going to nail and they were far, far from getting nailed, you know? And, but yeah, I mean, at Taxman, we just haven't had any just massive failures. It's usually been like a, a situation where one time we had a fermenter that, uh, the solenoid locked open and it crashed our tank before it was finished fermenting. So we had to figure out what to do and we heated it back up and it fermented, but it just didn't taste the same. So we, we added some fruit to it, and we let it age a little bit, and it was a very good beer still. It just wasn't exactly what our, our mainstay beer was supposed to be, right? So there's nothing wrong with it. It just wasn't something that we could put our name on as this is this beer that you're used to having because we have pretty high standards when it comes to releasing the beers, and they have to be, for the sake of consistency, uh, they have to follow a certain criteria. So, yeah. And uh, that beer, you know, was perfectly tasty and we enjoyed it actually we started making a seasonal that comes back every once in a while based on that so a lot of times those like things that happen turn into a um, a good thing because you learn something or you figure a new technique or whatever sure yeah so when in doubt just throw it into a barrel put some fruit on it maybe <laughs> uh, sour it for sure and, and you can come up with with something yeah. but we, we've had some stuff that like from a marketability standpoint hasn't been quite where we wanted it. I, th- I think mm-hmm. what we've seen is like the Indiana market likes certain products. It doesn't like other products. You don't have the throughput uh, that, that, that we were looking for. So like one thing that we've found, and, and this is more specific, I think, to this market is that the word Saison isn't necessarily a word that people either understand or associate. And, and we've found that like that Saison, if you're branding something as Saison, it's more difficult to sell. So we, we try to try to work with the terminology, I'd say, a little bit. Use the word farmhouse instead of saison. And that, that works for us in a lot of, a lot of cases. Gotcha. Out of all the blends that you've had, what is your personal favorite that you have amongst Ooh. your lineup? I know it's a tough question. Everybody looks at their – it's like their beers like kids, right? You know, yeah. I, can't, I, I love them all the same, right? But, mm-hmm. but if you had to – is your go-to, what's your go-to within your lineup? For me, it varies – seasonally i'm usually like oh man i'm so happy this is back i'll drink it for a week and then it's like okay what do we have coming out next because i would say the good thing about what we're doing is we're we're releasing a new beer every week to 10 days i'd Mm -hmm. say yeah so you've got you've got something new to try so for me i I guess i'm very much a flavor of the month or flavor of the week kind of Mm -hmm. kind of drinker i don't yeah i mean sometimes i'll it depends on the recipe. Like, so there was a beer we made called Chiversified, and that one like kept me up at night because we used real whole spices that we ground and we added into the uh, into the uh, brewing process at a number of different stages. And 
So like making sure we don't like over like put clove too much clove in. That's clove is hard. Like uh, there's some spices like that that are that are nerve wracking. So it really came out well. I was very pleased with the way that that beer came out. It wasn't like necessarily a beer that I would crush every night or something like that. Yeah. But it was a really really delicious beer, and it it was very very much what I wanted to make. So like I I was super happy with that beer. Now, if I was just going to drink a beer at the end of the day, like, so this one is, uh, we call it assessment number two. Uh, and this is a Brett fermented Saison that we aged in wine barrels. And, um, it, you know, like he was mentioning earlier about selling Saisons, they don't fly off the shelf. But, like, I just really like a, a, a very simple Saison, the recipe. Uh, and if you can age a little Brett with it, it's even better, you know. Gotcha. Now you guys have gastropubs attached to a lot of what you guys are doing at Taxman. Are you, do you kind of go into it thinking what would pair very well with this particular beer before you kind of bring out a new dish or whatnot? What goes in behind? I wish we had time to do more of that. Like that would, yeah, in an ideal world where, uh, where you had like perfect, you know, like the, you were perfectly staffed and everything was running perfectly. You know, we, we would love to do that where it's like, ah, this chicken dish would pair perfectly with the, the triple, uh, I would say we, we try to give our, our team suggestions. Uh, our menu does change quite a bit. Like we, we, we change out. So each restaurant has a different menu. And then within the, the restaurants, they change quarterly. And so they're running at different specials every night. So the chefs tend to run in a, uh, I would say, a parallel path, but not necessarily in sync uh, with, with what we're doing brew-wise. Brew uh, I think there's definitely some, some opportunities to improve that. But uh, currently, I'd say it's not as aligned as it should be. Gotcha. Now, one of the things I try to do when I sit down with any one of my clients is a lot of them come in to have an, a, a scarcity mindset, right? And my goal is to try to get them to think with abundance and kind of think more with a growth mindset. Now, as it pertains to running a business and operating business, growth can be a tricky thing, right? Because you don't want to get over your skis and get extended, but you want to still get some momentum there. And obviously, you guys now have, you know, three gastro pubs, you have the brewery. In seven years, which I think is an extraordinary achievement. How have you guys managed the growth of Taxman where it hasn't scared you, but it kept you excited, right? Yeah, yeah. I, well, it's, I would say at times it's definitely been bumpy and we've had to say, okay, okay, what do we need to do? This didn't quite work out as we expected. Initially, when we were doing our, our district, we've always, for the most part, self-distributed our beer. So we, we work directly with our on-premise accounts, our grocery and liquor stores as well to get them beer placement. Um, initially, we were of the mindset, let's get in as many places as we can, let's put beer on draft as many places as we can. Uh, but what we found is the resources that were required to service those accounts, certain accounts just didn't quite make sense. We, we had a lot of, at one point we had uh, over 1,700 accounts, but each account may have averaged 150 to $175 a month in sales. So. Um, what we've done since then is, is really narrowed down our focus, uh, fo- focused on the accounts that have higher volume, driven volume through those accounts, but cut, cut off. So we, we've, we've, we're down to under 400 accounts now that we sell to every month from 1,700. And it's just, uh, that has allowed us to really focus our, our limited resources on the accounts that, that are pushing volume from a distribution standpoint. From a, like a restaurant and operational standpoint, one of the things about beer that you realize early on is margin isn't great when you're selling it directly to a consumer like directly to a, a retailer so if we can capture some of that retail margin on our on our own taps uh, at, at restaurants that's been you know that's a tremendous uh, revenue boost for us so the restaurants have kind of 
fallen in line with with our desire to consolidate down how many accounts we sell to. Gotcha. Now, coming from a tax background, and Dave, I know we talked about coming from a telecom background, is being an owner-operator of a brewer or a head brewer, is it is it different than you would have expected it to be going in, right? You know, you got seven years to kind of look back and say, all right, is this... Because some look at, hey, I want to own a business. It's a dream job of mine. This is a passion. But you got to mix the viability with the passion, right? So yeah. kind of give me your flavor. Is it all that you've thought it would be going in? Oh, I think some of it, you know, whenever you're first, like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to change my career path and I'm going to go into brewing. It, a lot of it's you thinking about the the craft and the, this romantic image. And it, it, is, it is that, but it's also, it's also just a, it's a work. You know, it's a job. Uh, it's a business, and I think a lot of the, a lot of people I know in the industry, it's like that business part of it grates on them. But I, I very much enjoy. I'm glad I made this change in my career. Uh, the lifestyle that it allows is, um, it's much different than when I was doing project management in wireless, and you know I, I enjoy it a lot more. So I think that my life quality is better. You know. Uh, and and we do get to do some really cool stuff. Like yeah. whenever we're talking about the number of beers we release every year, it's like we don't make like sixty new ones every year because some of these are returns from previous years. But it's like it's always something new. There's always a challenge. Um, so I very much you know enjoy it. I like the way you frame that up. Like you you do start with a very romantic notion, like ah, oh, right. making beer. We're gonna sell the beer. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and then you think like, wow, kegs are heavy, and you know logistics are tough. And, yeah, man, running a restaurant is terrible, and turnover is yeah. like, and you know, it's just industry wide, it's a problem. So, uh, it is it is a, from my perspective, like I was very much a technical person in the accounting world. I. I did, a, you know, I spent most of my day at my desk looking at numbers and figuring out how to, you know, bring back cash to the U.S. And I didn't spend a lot of time necessarily like guiding people, instructing people, talking to people, making decisions. Uh, so I, I think, you know, overseeing three restaurants and you know, the brewing, distribution, all of that stuff, just it, you're so much more involved in people's lives. You're more involved in like just the conversations you have every day it feels much much i feel much much more alive if if that's a, a a thing like just just it's a it's a vibrant tiring uh day but it's it's super i mean it's so much more rewarding than, than what i was doing previously gotcha now you mentioned having this connection uh to the people that you work with you know as a as an advisor i'm very connected to the my clients lives right and you guys are having been down to your death and taxes day very connected to your community. How important is it for you guys to be very connected to Bargersville, Fortville, what you guys are doing in greater Indianapolis that, you know, you kind of have the heartbeat of what's going on in the city, but you want to be entrenched in it. You know, what does that mean to you to be kind of involved in the local community and have these events that people come out to? I, I think it's it's everything for us. So, you know, initially when we got started in Bargersville, people were very people outside of Bargersville were very skeptical. Why Bargersville? What what's down there? There's four thousand people in town, and having lived there, I'd, I'd lived there at the time we opened for about four years. I knew that there was like a base of people that wanted to have something that was local that they could call their own. That you know that, that was part of their community. Uh, so they fortunately answered the the call when we when we opened our doors and uh, and have supported us ever since and just just being able to give back to that being able to to participate 
uh, you know, in the community discussion and, and, and be a, a resource for the town to, to grow and uh, continue to, to, to build a, a dynamic environment in each of the places that we operate is, is pretty special. Initially, you know, we were in Bargersville, then we were in Fortville, and we just really loved the aspect of, like, the small Main Street that, that may, in Bargersville case, like, they'd written it off in the town development plan. They say, well, we, we're going to have to shift our focus to attracting businesses onto the 135 corridor because there's, you know, there's a lot of vehicle traffic there. And it's like, well, why can't there be traffic here? We just need to kind of reimagine what, what kind of businesses need to go in here. And uh, being able to be one of the catalysts in that area for, for some development has been good. Nice. Yep. Nice. Is there any um, trends in the space that you guys are in favor of that you see? Like, Dave, I know you said sours. You know, sours are starting to, you know, really take a hold. Is there any other trends that you are thinking about exploring further with what you guys are doing at Taxman other than the sours? Or, You know, we always are talking about different things. You know, whether or not some of these various things might happen or not, it, we, we do like to have a conversation going um, about trends in the industry and whether or not, you know, we need to take part. Is it a fad? Is it going to stick around? You know, those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, even like with our sour program, you know, we, we very much want to keep the sour program, but like, is it something we want to focus more attention and resources on, or is it something we want to kind of just keep going as it is? You know, our non-sour barrel program is something that we've increased uh, volume through some, and, uh, you know, it's but there's always a conversation kind of going on, yeah. you know, what... Well, one of the wider spread trends, and this has been happening for a couple of years, is like the death of the large format bottle. So, mm -hmm. you know, for like the last three years, the large format bottle has been like the worst selling segment in, in, in beer re retail beer. Uh, so it, the, the challenge that we have is our large format bottles are great because they can handle the pressure of bottle conditioning without exploding. Uh, and we don't have the technology currently in house to can any of our sour beers. You can't. Yeah, you can. You, you know, we can't safely can them without them potentially exploding. So, uh, you know, we've we've looked at like how can we, what what resources do we have to add to start putting uh, beer into cans uh, that, that sour? Mm -hmm. And it's I mean, it's pretty complicated because you've got the risk of infection of your line if you do it one way without pasteurizing. We don't want to pasteurize everything because none of our beer currently is pasteurized, and we're worried about how that would influence some of our core beers. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it's it's more how do we how do we continue to grow because we love the sour program, but how do we grow the sour program in an economical way with a limited footprint in Bargersville to to package everything? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, because you're starting to see these trends now. Once a brewery reaches a certain size and scale, they may kind of branch off to be more of a beverage company you've seen some go the distillery route you've seen some bring out seltzers do you guys envision you'll go outside the realm of beer and move into something like that or just mainly concentrate with the singular focus well we did flirt with the uh, seltzer we have one on right now it is uh it is gluten-free okay. it is 100 percent uh you know sugar sugars that aren't derived like sugars derived from but not not grain um in recently until recently you couldn't technically package a seltzer given the way that the Indiana law was written. So, mm -hmm. so you had to have malt, uh, specifically grain, in, in the beer in order for it to qualify as beer. That recently changed. So this, this legislative session, they made it possible to, to legally 
packaged sour or seltzers without you know any risk. They they obviously weren't enforcing that because enough places people are, are doing it currently. So it's an opportunity. Maybe maybe we'll pursue it. Uh, this one actually I think turned out really well. It's just a matter of like do we do we have the capacity to do it? Mm-hmm. One of one of the challenges, and Dave can attest to this, is uh, we have the ability to produce about what, six. 6,000 barrels a year, maybe, if we're, if we're really going for it. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were just over 5,000. So we really don't have a lot of... And that was just over 5,000 with all of our restaurants at a you know, very diminished state in terms of what they were, they were, their demand was. So we really don't have a lot of capacity right now. Um, so we're really in a, in a point where it's, do we want to expand the brewery? Do we want to expand our packaging area? Do we want to build a new building? Uh, that's the conversation we're having now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Question I always get with the bourbon age stuff, you know, uh, and for me personally, like my palate either wants a bourbon or it wants a craft beer. And sometimes it blends in between. Sometimes don't just, you know, mesh with my palate there. Do you guys, what, what has been the feedback for a lot of the bourbon age barrel stuff that you guys have done? Do you have, have you heard similar feedback or is it, Hey, I just, this is good for me. And I'm, maybe I'm just speaking out my ass here. Though it's just me, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes we, uh, Experiment with different beers and barrels. Uh, bourbon is, is a good one. Bourbon goes well with a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flavoring, uh, the flavors that come out of the barrels do. And especially like we do, like a deduction in bourbon barrels and mm-hmm. our, uh, our quad called Qualified in, bar- in bourbon barrels. And those just blend really well. The vanilla goes well with that sweeter uh, malty beer that both of those are. Um, so we've had a lot of success with those. Sometimes we've done... And it's not even just bourbon barrels, but just other more exotic barrels we'll get sometimes. Mm. And I'll put a beer into it that we think this is going to pair really well. And it, it maybe isn't exactly what we had thought when it comes out. You know, it's always, you know, they're all good. I, you know, I don't think we've had any barrels that I just really didn't like. For, but de- Definitely from a retail perspective, mm. selling a bourbon barrel-aged beer is significantly easier than, say... A peach brandy barrel aged, <laughs> right? Uh, sure. But I would yeah. say like the flavor profile. So we, we last year we put our exemption, our Belgian triple, in a peach brandy barrel. Absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. We're doing that one again. What next month? I believe so. Yeah, uh, that mm-hmm. that'll be released next month. But the, the pairing of like the citrus and some of the uh, the clove notes of the the underlying beer within the sweetness and that that peach forward uh, flavor from the barrel just it, it works out great especially as a higher alcohol summer beer like mm. the the tough thing is like bourbon barrel aged beers uh people recognize the barrel they, they recognize bourbon they sell well but you don't necessarily want a bourbon barrel aged beer in the summer when it's you know 95 <laughs> degrees so Super finding high. these alternative beers that we can that we can put in alternative barrels that we can put beers in maybe that's my problem I, i'm drinking it the right wrong season right i need, <laughs> yeah. I need to wait till it gets a little a chilly here yeah yeah like know. a campfire and a you know, barrel aged quad bourbon barrel aged quad mm-hmm. unbelievable great nice yeah we did one it was deduction in muscatel barrels it's a wine mm. barrel and i loved that beer that was that was that came out so well um, it didn't move as well as I would, you know, would have hoped. But you know, again, some of that's well, people look at it and say, "Well, what's Muscatel? I don't know what that is." It's not a really, it's not a U.S. wine that people are familiar with, um, or most people aren't. But. So you say that's a blend that maybe you didn't, it didn't sell as well as you liked. Is there one that you kind of were surprised 
that it really took a foothold and because I've had this conversation with a few different brewers that hey we needed something that was seasonal let's make a cream ale and then boom now it's like 40% of the sales and they're like right this is a mainstay now is there anything like that that's that surprised you guys that you've kind of made a mainstay now Mm. I have to think now I don't think we've had any like surprise home runs it's uh, our our major volume is through our I would say like our predominantly our seasonal beers that that we produce every year. So it's it's not yeah. like we've come up with one and we said, "Oh my gosh, we got to make this like a quarterly release because it's right. so good." We 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 didn't have a lot of success. Still do with with a beer called Bean Counter. Mm. It's a mm. it's a coffee aged uh, like Belgian brown ale that we release for a little bit longer than a month period because normally everything's like strictly at a month but we produce a little bit more so it carries over more like a two-month period but beyond that it's not we don't see like an overwhelming shift there are sometimes there's like we'll decide packaging mix so like mm. how, ma- how many barrels go into cans how many barrels go into kegs and we'll say we're gonna go keg heavy on this one and the cans will disappear like in a week mm. and then we're kicking ourselves because we have all these kegs and the cans are sold, or we go the other way, and sometimes it's just you can't predict the unpredictable. Man, you know, perfect yeah. law, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, especially the last like twelve months, it's just sure. Right. Oh yeah, twenty twenty threw yeah, everything yeah. out the window. We had our a pretty good forecast for <laughs> multiple years of doing this and refining our techniques and our, our plans, <laughs> and then twenty twenty just said no. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of been like a throwout year. Like, I've, I've talked to a couple guys where, like, canning has just, like, exploded for them oh, in 2020. Oh, for us. You know, so that's, that's awesome because I'm starting to see more of your, your cans in multiple different outlets and liquor stores and various other places. So that's, well, when we shut down, we were kind of like, you know, what are we going to do here with all this beer? The pubs were shut down. Mm-hmm. for We didn't know how long, and we, we had to put everything in cans. And we were worried, you know, are we going to be able to move all these cans? But they moved. And uh, we had to do that for a while. And even now, we're very much can-heavy compared to what we were in 2019. Mm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been interesting to see. I mean, obviously, the community here in Indiana, I mean, with, it seems like everybody knows everybody. If you guys had to pick another Indiana brewer other than your own that you could say, oh, I really enjoy this beer. If I had no choice to drink, I can't drink mine. I got to drink a oh, few man. different from, <laughs> who would it be? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little loaded, but, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. Oh, man. I don't even know if I'm going to answer it. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot of really good beer in Indiana. That's, yeah. you know, one thing uh, I think people don't realize, like how many, like, really, really good breweries there are in the state of Indiana. Sure. People just, and maybe, you know, the people that know, know, but a lot of people I don't think realize that, like, we have really good craft beer here. A lot of people in our state uh, win medals at, you know, like Great American Beer Festival or the World Beer Cup, some of the really big ones. Um, you know, there's just a phenomenal amount of good beer. There's also some bad beer, but we're not going to go into <laughs> We're that. not going to name names, right? Yeah, but there's, like, there's really, really good beer here. Like, yeah. I, I very much enjoy Upland. Um, I enjoy... Uh, yeah, I like Sun King. I enjoy them a great deal. Yeah, I live um, downtown, so I tend to go to the places that I can walk. So I, sure. I can walk to Metazoa. I can walk to Upland, Sun King, uh, Indiana City. So I, I yeah. you know, I typically don't uh, do anything other than ride bikes and walk when I when I have the opportunity. So that's uh, nice. th- that's where I end up going, just because because I enjoy their beer, yes, but also because it's uh, super close, super convenient. Yeah, Metazoa, they're really really good. Nice. 
You yeah. Know? I mean, the thing is, like, I could list off, like, a huge list of really good Indiana brewers. Like, uh, there's just so many of them. Yeah, I think we've got a very diverse scene. It, it's interesting because we – I don't feel like, in general, it's it's an oversaturated scene. I, we, we have a lot, but uh, I think everybody's doing things just a little bit different, and uh, they have different – different themes involved and i just I, I don't feel like we've hit that saturation point but uh, yeah I, I there are plenty of places that are knocking it out nice well great well i call this you know my why what how question you know and I, it's threefold you know so when i sit with a client for the first time i'm trying to uncover the why right so you know one of my favorite books is uh start with why by simon sinek because if you know what the why is and what drives the why, the how and the what become easier to understand and more attainable. So as it pertains to you guys and your business here at Taxman, what is the why that drives what you do every day? What is it about your process that makes you unique? And then how does that process make you stand out amongst all the others that are in the kind of Belgian beer mix, right? So threefold. Why, what, how? What do you think? Well, I, the why for us, maybe, I mean, maybe it's as easy as nobody really is focused entirely on doing Belgian style beer. Like, nothing that we do has yeast that really drifts outside of, like, we, we use some, some, like, Norwegian yeast in some of our stuff. But really, almost everything is, is of Belgian origin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, I, I think really, truly, the why is because we want to create authentic Belgian style beer that's better than the beer that you can buy from Belgium. A lot of the stuff you get here, especially in Indiana, super old. It's, it's not in great shape by the time it gets here if it's from Belgium. So mm-hmm. it's like the why is because we're filling a gap in the market that otherwise would, would continue to exist because nobody really wants to drift as far as we have into that Belgian space. Gotcha. Is that fair? I, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, you get a beer that's from Belgium and it's been in a container, it's been uh, traveling for a long time, it's made to a slightly different standard to help it endure that travel, so mm-hmm. then, then what you'd get in Belgium. Like if you went and bought a fresh Belgian double you know, at a pub there, it's just not going to taste exactly like the stuff you buy here unless you buy it from a, a place like us yeah. that, mm. that, that specializes in trying to recreate that. Mm. And then the what piece. Yeah, so what, what, obviously you're the mad scientist, Dave. So as a brewer, you know, what, what, what do you do in your process that makes you unique? Well, I mean, part of, like, so we don't filter anything. Yeah. We don't uh, centrifuge. We don't uh, pasteurize. You know, we've talked about doing some things along that to achieve uh, some things with some of our sour program beers that we mm-hmm. would like to do. Um, but really, like, we... We make a very like it's a living, it's a living beer. There's there's yeast in there. Um, it's it's very much like as close to like you know the, that craft thing that we're making that mm-hmm. you could get. It's just not adulterated. Um, we use extremely good quality raw materials. Like we do, strive to not use um, any kind of additives or extracts if we can avoid it. Um, it really is like. Like when I talked about that Chiversified earlier, right. it's like we're like looking at grinding whole spices, you know. So I'm buying all these whole spices. We grind them ourselves and then, you know, put them into the brewing process, uh, you know, with fruit. Um, if I could buy 
pull fruit they just picked and put it in my fermenters, I would. We can't because of this, the, the, the structure of the process and the equipment we have, but we don't use extracts. We use mm. real fruit. Um, and I would say that in terms of our core beers, the ones that we, if we say it's a Belgian triple, Belgian style triple or a Belgian style double, it's, it's very authentic. It's mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. recipe that we're following is very similar to the recipe that they would follow in, in Belgium if you were there. Mm -hmm. I'd say we've modernized our, our canning like by, by just putting that into cans and not going with the authentic uh, bottle conditioned format. Like we've, we've definitely modernized the packaging a little bit. Sure. Uh, mm -hmm. But just in terms of the, the base, it's, it's great ingredients. It's following a traditional recipe and it's not like, we're not Americanizing it in any way when it comes to that. Like mm -hmm. with, when it comes to our core recipes, we're, we're obviously taking some liberties with some of our seasonals, but. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the cool thing, I, we, we've, we intentionally enter like the Brussels Beer Challenge every year, ah, yes. the uh, the European <laughs> Beer Awards. Like that is like, if we can send a can over and our can beats, you know, the large format bottles that are coming out of Belgium or mm -hmm. some of the really good places that they produce in Canada, like that for us is like, all right, we're we're doing this, yep. we're doing this right. Yeah, we got two medals at the Brussels Beer Challenge, and oh, wow. you know, to me, like that was that was a huge win for us because uh, it's just you know we're we're competing with the the people that have inspired us to make these beers and we're, we're, we're winning like right up next to them. So it oh, was kind of a fantastic account. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. really good. It was really like good. our, uh, our quad our qualified, our beat out, uh, St. Bernadus 12, which is, I mean, that's like a famous, famous <laughs> wow. beer, uh, for, for one of these awards. They, they got silver. So it was like, this is all right. We, this, this feels, this feels <laughs> pretty good. This, yeah. Yeah. Do you think good. you guys will do more and more competitions over on, Across I mean, the pond? We, we, we enter, uh, like, you know, the big ones are, like, the Great American Beer Festival, sure. uh, World Beer Cup, and that probably is, like, the creme de la creme. Um, but, you know, like, the Brussels Beer Challenge, the European Beer Star, that those, um, you know, we, we, try, we can't enter everything, you know, and we don't, probably don't want to enter every competition there is, but we're going to continue to enter. I mean, we don't, one thing that, <clears throat> I, I don't like to brew for competitions. Yeah. Like we, we brew the beer that we want to brew and we brew uh, to styles with our main beers. You know, some of the seasonals, what style does that fit into? It's kind of a specialty thing when we start adding a lot of stuff to it. Mm -hmm. um, but like we don't make special batches to send to a competition. You know, if you, uh, if you go and buy a can of, qualified or deduction it's it's what we enter into the competition nice you know we will um do tasting panels to make sure that we are uh we were extremely pleased with that batch and we'll send it but like we don't make a small batch to send to the competition you know so i don't know i've gotten a sidetrack there but like i mean for the most part <laughs> I like, I, that's I, good it's, man it's that's it's good I, and then, I, we, we need to get to that what the how right why what how is it yeah what makes you stand out Ah, well, I mean, and honestly, like say, so that one thing right there to me is a big thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it. Right? Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of people that don't that, that maybe do brew for a competition. We enter competitions because they're you know you want to. They're, it's good feedback. It's good uh, to have for marketing, I suppose, and it's it kind of is good for morale. Well, and I think from a, sorry, David, I didn't mean to cut you off. From a financial perspective, the how is amazingly like our, our core lineup exemption deduction those are our two best-selling um, mainstay beers and, and we sell 
you know, how we can continue to produce Belgian beers that they're they are mm. selling really well. Like those mm. two those two products uh, have been moving extremely well. Our, our market share has continued to grow. Our volume, you know, in each retail locations continued to, to do quite well. Uh, which is one of the things I, I think that in the beginning surprised us. We weren't we yeah. weren't entirely sure like what's the upper end volume you, you can sell of a Belgian double in Indiana. Mm. I don't know. How many, how many, how much of a triple? Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're continuing to see, you know, seven, 8,000 cases of these particular beers go out a year. And it's, uh, and that's pretty amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Last question. Uh, you know, when I sit down with a client for the first time, you know, I hate to look out too far, whether it's five, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever. You know, so when I sit down with somebody for the first time, I say, look, if we were to sit down again in three years, what would need to take place, whether it's personally, financially, emotionally, that we can look back on and say our time spent was valuable, we're working our way to where we want to be, as it pertains to you guys' business. If we were to sit down three years from now, what do you envision, coming out of the chaos of last year that we just experienced, what do you guys envision for Taxman that if we sat down three years from now, you can kind of look back and say, yeah, we started some things we were pretty excited about and and maybe some things that kind of went down us a different path and now we're happy about it. So what how would you guys what would you guys think about it? It's kinda open ended. You guys can take it for what you will and be inter I mean from my, my perspective, I I would like to see us continue to invest in the technology we need to make better product. I, I think there's some things that we talked about from a packaging perspective that we'd like to add. Uh, I know we'd like to add pasteurization if we ever want to get in, like our product into cans from a, a sour perspective. So I, I'd, I'd hope three years from now we could say, yeah, we have one of the best, you know, sour beer programs in cans in, in the area. Like that would be, that would be really cool. Um, te- technology to help, you know, everybody's day as well. Just, just like ease the burden. Like, sure. like, there's still some things we do that are incredibly manual. You know, just just to kind of make everybody's job better. I'd, I'd, I don't know. I'd hope we could we could sit back and say yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we've got the volumes that you know everybody's happy in their jobs and they're they're uh, well paid and they're they're in a very content position from that perspective. Uh, beer wise, I, I don't. I mean, you know, it's tough because we we're in a unique not unique but uh, not a lot of people have the position we're in as far as breweries go where we can make. The variety of beers that we make, uh, you know, because we are a self-distributed for the most part uh, mm-hmm. operation. Like we can, we have, we can have a bunch of SKUs. We can make all kinds of different stuff, and our sales teams you know, keyed in with that. Um, you know, we want to continue doing that and um, continue to come out with new things. Uh, you know, myself and my team enjoy a great deal. Like the challenge of making a recipe that is different. Sometimes we'll use our equipment in ways maybe it wasn't exactly designed for <laughs> because uh, we're trying to accomplish sure. something that that system wasn't really built to make. Uh, so, like, these challenges are great because we can sit around and we can talk about them. And I want to keep, you know, challenging my brewers and, um, you know, entertaining ourselves because that's kind of, again, a lot of people in this industry are here because we, we want to be here. Uh, it's a labor of love. You know, so it's like having the ability to to do these different unique beers instead of kind of maybe making the same thing day in, day out. You know, the process is cool, but that challenge is also important, you know. Yeah, we, we definitely took the 
position early on that this is not going to be the biggest commercial venture, you know, in in the city. This is not yeah. going to we, like we're a very niche market within a niche market. So if you look at like beer as a whole, local craft may represent at this point like five percent of the total Indiana beer market. And then if you drill down into that, like Belgian beer <laughs> within craft beer represents sure. like a tiny portion of that. So like we know that we're not going to be like. You know, we're, we're not there to be the biggest commercial brewery. It's more like David was saying. It's it's uh, we, we the team they want to make things that are unique. They want to make things that that are inspiring to them. But also, if we can add in technology, then it makes everyone's life easier. That makes quality better. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say that's that's probably where we're most interested in investing. Fantastic. Well, boys, thank you for your time. I've I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you guys, hearing your story. So appreciate it greatly. Cheers, man. Cheers. 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 Thank you. All right. Everybody, come check out Taxman, Cityway downtown, Bargeville at the home base or mothership as, uh, as I got to experience or even out in Fortville on the north side. So check us out for the next episode, but listen to this one. Great guys at Taxman. Cheers. Cheers. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. For the latest on Financial Views with Local Brews, please check out our website at financialviewswithlocalbrews.com. You can also find us on YouTube via our channel there under the same name, Financial Views with Local Brews, as well as follow us on all of our social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, where you can like and connect with us throughout the craft beer universe that we're trying to explore here in the great state of Indiana. As always, cheers. The next round's on me, and I look forward to seeing you for future episodes. Bye, everyone.